This is the Uptake Podcast with your host, John Taylor. Let's get started. Okay. Are we, are we rolling? We are rolling. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> it's no problem, man. All right. <laughs> Welcome, Christian. Thank you for having me. I should have asked you before. Are you okay with your Christian manual just saying your name? Yes. Because for a couple of my guests, they've had either pseudonyms or mm-hmm. their incomplete name. Interesting. Christian Manuel is all good. Nice. And actually, I don't know how to say my last name. That It's kind of a, a secret thing. Some people say Manuel. Some people say Manuel. And then a lot of times teachers will be like, which one is it? I'm just like, yes. Which way do you say it? <laughs> when I think about it, I say Manuel. And when I don't think about about it, I think I just say manual. You have a problem pronouncing your own last name. <laughs> and I expect other people to pronounce it now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How should I say it? Since since I'm thinking about it, Manuel. Manuel. Sure. <laughs> Welcome to my friend Christian Manuel. He is a music producer and a singer-songwriter and uh, someone who is on the verge of greatness. In my humble opinion. I hope. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for coming and doing this with me. Absolutely. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah? Mm -hmm. What are you up to these days? You're working? You're working on projects? What are you doing? Um, Every day I'm working and every day I'm writing. Wrapping up a album with Flat Moon Theory. When you said working, you mean... I know you have a job. You're, yes. You're teaching music theory. That, that is what I meant by working. Yeah, and but then in you're, addition to that, yeah. And you're also working on your music projects. Mm-hmm. So tell me about uh, your music projects. What's okay. What's happening right now? Um, got a couple things on the on the table. I just, we finished recording, mixing, and, you know, all the fun production stuff of an album with my band Flat Moon Theory. Yeah. Which, you know pretty well. Uh, I, I do happen to know a few people <laughs> in that group. But yeah, so we're getting ready to release that. We finished our, I think our Kickstarter campaign maybe ends tomorrow. So when you're listening to this, it'll it'll be long gone, but <laughs> hopefully the album will be out. And uh, yeah, we're excited about that. Tell me about Flat Moon Theory. So that's your band? In Flat Moon Theory, we're like an acoustic group that's kind of folk rock jazz maybe i don't know we blend in a lot of different styles and we have guitar banjo cello and viola that's an interesting uh, combo you don't see that walking on stage every day that's one of our favorite parts about it is we do some songs people recognize some songs people don't but it's just a very different sound like you don't see yeah you don't see cello players and bars performing gigs all the time so it's pretty cool combined with a banjo and guitar and a viola that's right are you what what's your role in in the band? Are you the the front man? I I think so. <laughs> we haven't really had, you know, the front man discussion, but <laughs> I, I sing most of the songs and I do most of the writing right now. Although for the next album, we've been doing a lot of collaborating on the writing and we're excited for the for the next album after this one. Yeah. Um so this is and I interrupted you earlier. So this is this is Flat Moon Theory's first mm-hmm. like album project. Debut album. Debut yeah. album. It, do people still call them albums? You know, I, I was talking to my wife the other day about this. You know, it I don't even know what to say anymore cuz things are released through streaming yeah. basically now and Yeah, and it's I know a lot people, of singles. Yeah, people um, buy CDs still and I guess vinyl is hip in some circles, yeah. but Honestly, they're called albums when you that's still the thing you you say? 
we call them albums and i think most music appreciators would but i read something that was saying for the first time in years vinyls have outsold cds again wow because now like the newest cars don't even have cd players that's right so they're kind of dying which is sad i love cds yeah (laughs) yeah so so flat moon theory's first album what's Mm -hmm. what's the name of it it's called dreamers in the dark that's a cool name yeah (laughs) it sounds like a real album yeah (laughs) or or cd or cassette I think you're gonna, really gonna put cool. it on a cassette first. That might be the thing to do. Um, those might be dead. <laughs> you could again. You could kind of uh, go counterculture on it. True. Put it out on eight track. We could be extra hip. Or cassette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps. Single handedly bring back the cassette player. Oh, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. If that could be my legacy, that would be. <laughs> It'd be impressive. That would be cool. Yeah. So, dreamers in the dark. Mm-hmm. Are these are all original songs or covers yes. or both? Um, completely original. Okay. We got seven, seven new songs on there. We all like, you know, brought our own pieces to it and everything. So it's very cool. I'm very excited. Yeah. So take me back to the beginning, I guess. Flat Moon Theory. This is the main project you're working on. Your main mm-hmm. Um, band? so for a long time, well, not a long time, I guess it's been maybe two or three years. Yeah. Um, Flat Moon Theory has been casually jamming and, uh, like we all had very, similar tastes in music wide spreading tastes i may add like we all love different genres and everything but there are a few bands the avid brothers punch brothers the beatles all of us love those guys and um like we just go jam their songs in our own style and then we you know kept growing our repertoire started playing some shows started writing our own music and then we were like it's about time we put out an album so this summer we try to, you know, get all the recording done and everything. And then since then, I've been mixing and tweaking and working on all the logistics of making an album. Who are the members of Flat Moon Theory? Myself, Will Taylor, uh-huh. and then um, Davis and that, Johnstone. And you're on vocals and guitar. Vocals, guitar. Will's the cello player. Yep. And then Davis is banjo, piano, mandolin, anything we need him to play, basically. All at once? Um. Sometimes, honestly, he'll be like playing a hi-hat with one foot, a bass drum with another foot, picking the banjo. But yeah, on the album, he mostly plays banjo and piano. Yeah. And then Mira plays viola and sings. Okay. So you guys got the inspiration to go ahead and put together an album. Mm-hmm. What What does that mean in terms of uh, officially producing an album now? I mean, there was, there was a time when you had to get a record label involved mm-hmm. and deal with people that would get it you know your music distributed or played on the radio and i know all of that's changed right you can Mm -hmm. you can record uh songs i presume and just put them out on streaming services wherever you'd like right Mm -hmm. you know i i feel like there are good and bad things about the way it used to be and the way it is now it obviously would be very nice to have help distributing it and getting it on the radio and all that as well as even having like an outside producer help us you know, make sure we're getting our songs and message across the best way possible. Right. But it is also freeing to be able to do it all yourself just on your own computer and get it out to all your friends and everything just by yourself without much funding or without much outside help. So what's the basic process? So you, you guys get together, you get in a a room or a studio. Mm -hmm. So is this after we've already written and rehearsed all our songs we're ready to go now yeah let's assume you okay. you, you know the songs we're you're ready to band. roll it's yeah. just i'm interested <laughs> in the 
what's the process of making your mm-hmm. album show up on the internet or yeah. in, in, in stores? How do you do that now? For me, honestly, it's like the most fun thing in the world. I, I just love recording music. And also everyone I've done has been a little bit different just as I've learned from my whole mistakes mostly. But um, this one, we got together in Mira's basement. Everybody got in different corners. We set up like 10 microphones, had a, a central table with our mixer and our computer and everything. And then just clicked record and <laughs> tried uh, to get the best take we could on all the songs. Yeah. And then we overdubbed a few things that we tried. We wanted to capture like the live sound as much as possible. And what does overdub mean? Um, we go back and record mostly vocals, some like banjo parts um, and solos. Yeah. And so, yeah, we wanted to try to keep a live sound because that's one of the things that we feel like we do well is um, just like having that ac- acoustic atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so we didn't want to like play to click tracks or just like record everybody in isolation booths. We wanted to play all together in a room. Is that how most people do it now? Do people record a song playing it together or is it I feel like you that's know, one rare. by one people are recording their parts and then it's being combined later? Mm-hmm. Um, from from my experience, I usually choose to record it live, but it is easier, I think, to just record everybody separately because you can like clean everything up really nicely and make everything sound real polished right to a click track. But I just like the live sound of a band playing a good song. So yeah. Right. And I I imagine the energy is different too, right? Cause you're feeding off of each other Mm -hmm. and I I don't know, live music to me, that always seems like one of the big draws is there's Mm -hmm. an emotion, Mm -hmm. you know, there's an emotional component where, uh, the people performing together and of course the audience, I know that doesn't apply here, but the people performing together, they're like driving it together whatever the music is Mm -hmm. that that's that's an important dynamic as opposed to just being on your own and somebody has recorded and you got to play your part i would imagine it's harder to um to put feeling into the music when it's just your Mm -hmm. when you're by yourself i agree to a certain extent um i definitely think it's crucial for flat moon theory in particular to like play all together to capture that emotion because like you're talking about in many of our songs there is like some real I don't know feelings behind it that it's just nice like when you hear the cello just swelling up and everybody's all into it together yeah like it, it's totally different like there's no way we could capture that one by one yeah but for one of the songs called a good distance on there I recorded that one by myself first yeah and that was recorded in my bedroom like I just you know I turned like left a lamp on turned off the lights and got into the zone that one I feel like is one of the most emotional ones, to be honest. And then everybody else added their parts on top. So it can be done the other way. But I like my favorite is recording as a band all together live. So. Yeah. So once you've recorded your music, put the finishing touches on it mm-hmm. and you want to distribute it to the world. How do you do that? How do you get it out in the world so that people can download or buy or otherwise mm-hmm you know, consume the product, can listen to the album. Well, I'll I'll be honest. I'll give away a trade secret and say it's not that hard. And <laughs> yeah. in, in today's day and age, like like bedroom creators can put out their music on SoundCloud and Spotify and all that. There are many websites and companies that basically do the hard part of that for you. Okay. You'll submit all the tracks and information and I don't know, the album art and all that. Yeah. And they'll send it to iTunes, Spotify and you know, keep track of the streaming and all that. Oh, wow. Give give you back your profits, but you pay them the initial distributing fee. Okay. 
And then they take a percentage or something ongoing, or is it different each time? Or that I haven't seen. I think maybe that's more typical of record labels. Yep. Um, but the companies that strictly distribute do not take a percentage. You just pay them up front to get things out there. Mm-hmm. Is that the plan with mm-hmm. Dreamers in the Dark? Yes, I actually started uh, putting all our information in and getting that stuff ready like two days ago. Yeah. So that process is beginning. That's the last step before you guys get to listen to it. You mentioned earlier that you have other bands, other projects at Mm -hmm. least that you're working on right now. I do. In addition to Flat Moon Theory, what else is cooking? Another thing that I've been spending a lot of time working on is writing for the next Samarium album, which is my first band. Can you say that again? Samarium? Samarium. It's the element that is used in guitar pickups and nuclear reactor cores. <laughs> so we thought that was cool. And that's it. Guitar pickups and nuclear reactor cores. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's supposedly <laughs> the strongest electromagnet. Uh, yeah, electromagnet. So huh. that's what it's used for. Huh. And um, I've been writing for that. And that. tell me, what's the genre of Sumerium? We are a rock trio. Okay. And... But. So Flat Moon Theory is more acoustic. Mm-hmm. Samarium, is it electric guitars? Yeah, we jam out a little harder. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and we have a great bass player named Tyler Hips, who mm. is just funky and slapping and picking and shredding. <laughs> and then we have a drummer named Matt Shapiro, who yeah. he actually moved to Pensacola, so we've been kind of on a hiatus. Yeah. But now we're getting writing and jamming, and he's been making trips. We've been going down there, gearing up for the next album, so... Okay. Now, the next album, Do you, is there already a Samarium oh, album? yes. We've released like four or something like that. What? A couple have been deleted because we released them when we were like 12. Yeah, I was going to say, Christian, <laughs> you're, you're what, 18, 19 years old? I'm about turning 19 in 10 days. And you have four albums out already with yeah. Samarium. Yep. <laughs> that's, um, that's very impressive. The first couple were pretty rough, but it was a good learning experience. So. Okay, I got to ask. So you, the first one comes out, you're like 12, you said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> ha- had your voice changed? Oh, no. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's rough. I'm not sure there's too many... Um, pop stars, rock stars that have, you know, there's different periods in, you know, famous performers careers, mm-hmm. you know, the dark period and then the, the Renaissance period, whatever you're going to have one in yours. When people write the Wikipedia pieces yeah. about you, you're going to have the pre pubescent period. That's true. And then the, uh, post pubescent period. <laughs> Hopefully people will forget about the first part of my career. Um, was it, was your voice a lot higher and it just yeah. sounds like completely different music now? Honestly, I can sing higher now, but I just, I could not sing back then. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm in no means comparing myself to Michael Jackson, but he, he started <laughs> as a young child and sounded awesome. That's true. Um, yeah. I started as a young child and was like, <laughs> it was rough. What got you going? Like, how did you start? If you started playing and mm-hmm. created the band Sumerium at age 12, yeah. what, the why very, did that happen? The very first band was called Gasoline. And basically me and my little brother and his best friend, I think, had the idea to start a band. My dad is a guitar teacher and the other kid, his name is Hunter. His dad was a photographer. Okay. So they kind of made an exchange. He would do the band photography. My dad would give us all guitar lessons, teach us how to play. Yeah. And... um. 
but your first inspiration did you did you see something on tv or you heard your dad Honestly, playing what, yeah, what made it, you think it, it man i gotta be. do this i gotta it be, to a, be my dad i gotta be a rock star yeah because i i remember i used to go to his band rehearsals and stuff or his bandmates would come over and i'd hear them and try to get in try to like sit in playing guitar and let them let me join but uh yeah i was like i gotta do this by myself what's really funny to me that i was just thinking about today actually is how the first two songs we learned Danny California, Red Hot Chili Peppers, yes. and Come Together by the Beatles. The Beatles yeah. Um, those were Gasoline's first two and probably only two real songs that we knew. Samarium and another band I'm in um, both play those songs now and do them way better. They're like our closing acts. So, <laughs> How many bands are you in? Flat Moon Theory, uh-huh. Samarium. Okay. Then I play bass for my dad's group, Midnight Caravan. Okay. And then most recently, uh, I've started... I, we call it Christian Manuel and Variation 4. It's my fourth band, yeah. Variation 4. And yep. uh, it's a kind of a collection or a blend perhaps of not not really style-wise, but personnel-wise. Um, like Davis, the banjo player from Flat Moon Theory, plays keys. Uh-huh. And um, Tyler's been sitting in on bass, which is fun. <laughs> so you have, you're in four bands right now. Mm-hmm. Does that ever get confusing? Do you ever go to the to a gig and forget which band you're you're supposed to be a part of? It started getting confusing <laughs> like two days ago when someone emailed me on the Samarium account, yeah, and was asking for not Samarium, you're and right. then I ended up booking a third band all through the one right. band account, and she was probably so confused. So you might by mistake show up for a Samarium gig, but you're in your acoustic, yeah. you know. <laughs> garb yes or vice versa or i'll bring the wrong instrument right you show up with an electric guitar and you're supposed to be there to do uh the glockenspiel or something (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's a dangerous time yeah (laughs) by the way that's the second glockenspiel reference in um in in our series of podcasts history yeah in uptake history so (laughs) excellent i never thought that would happen but it just did how do you you must have quite the calendar like have... I, I have had to very much keep a strict calendar these days. Yeah. Um, and I'm also playing bass. Davis has a band, a separate band from Flatman Theory called okay. Stick With Me. Yeah. You're and in that too. Unofficially. <laughs> okay. Their bass player left or dropped out or was kicked out somehow. So I, I filled in. I'm producing an album for them. Okay. And so I But just, you're also playing in the band. Yeah. Since Let's okay. call that four and a half bands. Four, yeah, exactly. Does four that sound fair? Perfect. You can agree on that. You're in four and a half bands. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> let's um, let's take a break for just a second to hear a word from our sponsors. First, our friends at Chunky's Socks. Tired of socks that tell the world that you're too soft? Buy a pair of Chunky's Socks. Chunky Socks are made with genuine reclaimed construction rubble. Every pair of Chunky Socks is guaranteed to barrage your feet and toughen your spirit. So tell all those millennial softies to step aside. You're proudly walking in the world's most brutal socks. Chunkies, real discomfort for real hard-ass Americans. And beautiful Sanderson microphones, just like the ones we use here in the Uptake studio. They're proudly built with appearance and presentation in mind for the discerning podcaster like me, radio personality, stage performer, or anyone else who cares about a great-looking microphone and accepts mediocre sound. Gorgeous Sanderson microphones, when only looks matter. And finally, one of our sponsors since the beginning, 
Dan Mitchell's Real Store. Dan Mitchell's Real Store is a place where you go in person to see and buy things that are really there. At Dan's, you'll find a building and people inside that building that you can talk to and who will sell you stuff. And just for our listeners, Dan is still offering free shipping on any items you buy in the store. Just buy something at Dan's, carry it out the door, and take it to the place you want it to go. To take advantage of this free shipping offer, just mention the Uptake Podcast. All right, we're back. So I think we established that you're in four and a half bands. (laughs) Are you looking to add more? You want to get the count up to a nice even... I'm I'm Eight. really not. <laughs> um, I I am officially I'm cutting it off. Okay. Well, this uh, clearly this is your passion. You, it's probably obvious. You you love music. You I love do. <laughs> performing, producing, being around it. You must right to mm-hmm. be involved in that many different endeavors. I really do. It has not gotten old one bit yet. So, where are you going with this? What would you? What are your aspirations? What are your goals? Okay. Where are you taking uh, your there we go. music There's the career? Key question. Um, honestly, my goal for a while now, as crazy as it is, what I tell people when they ask is I would like to win a Grammy and I would like to win an Oscar. My entire life I've been, well, most of it, I've loved music yeah. and have also loved like making movies. Yeah. Um, I enjoy being a director and writing and all that. So and wait a second, you were holding out on me this whole time. I was. You're you're not just a music producer and a there, singer-songwriter. A lot. You're also a movie producer. Oh, well, see, I I've unfortunately kind of set that last one aside recently to focus on the music. I, I don't know why you're only in four and a half bands. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> exactly. It kind of started actually if I I'm going to go back into the past before jumping to the future. Sure. So it started around maybe first grade or something when I really started getting into writing, mm-hmm. I was into just writing little stories and books. It grew from there. I wrote stories and I started writing screenplays, writing scripts and movies and all that. And then also branched into writing songs. So I've always just loved storytelling basically. And music is the my main facet for doing such Yeah. right now. But I've made movies and love making movies and writing scripts and all that. And I would love to get back into that at some point. But I'm focusing on music first. So. Okay. So you said you'd like to win a Grammy. Yep. <laughs> and you'd like to win an Oscar. That would be tremendous. Those are great goals. I don't see why not. So yeah, I'm just taking it one step at a time, trying to do make, set myself small goals now so I can get there one day. Yeah. Ten years, hopefully. <laughs> okay. So again, in your, in your long-term vision... A Grammy as a performer or as a producer? I'll take what I can get. Any of those, yeah. Um, I always pictured it being as a performer, but more recently, I've realized I can kind of combine the aspects that I like as a music producer or a songwriter. I can do writing. I can guide other people, help them work on their music, fine-tune their stuff. Yeah. So that's what I want to focus on right now. So there's no reason why... 10 years from now, you might be walking across a stage accepting a Grammy for uh, being a music producer. Like that, that's in bounds for you. That's what we're going for. I would love that. Yes. Yeah. Which I don't know. It seems crazy. I don't but... think so. <laughs> I don't think that's crazy. Why, why wouldn't you shoot for I that? Have... Why not you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, somebody's um, got to win those. And that's I, right. You know, and it, you started at age 12. Mm-hmm. You clearly love it. 
Yeah. You're involved in several different genres of music. Mm -hmm. And at 12, I was recording my own albums. So it wasn't like we went and had somebody real do it. They sound bad because a 12-year-old made them. Now, do you mean the Samarium albums? Yes, the Samarium albums. Yeah. Um, I recorded in a bedroom with Tyler. Yeah. Published them ourselves and everything. So I've been at it a while. I've learned a lot from my own mistakes, and I just hope to keep on growing. So So here's the thing I've wondered about with music. I really admire the songwriting piece of it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, that seems like a very challenging creative endeavor. And I presume in the the songs you've written, you're writing both the lyrics and the music. Most of the time. Most, most of the time. Yeah. That's a chicken and the egg thing to me. How do you, do you start with some, uh, an idea, like a a theme in mind where the lyrics become clear to you first, or do you start with a melody and then you Mm -hmm. sort of retrofit lyrics that match the feeling of the melody? How do you normally do it? I've been asked this question a few times and honestly I can say that I've written a song in every way that it's possible to write a song probably. Okay. I really don't have a method. Some of my one of my favorite songs is one of the like weirdest, actually two of them. I'm going to give you two quick stories. Okay. Um one someone cuz I just like to say weird words sometimes. I'm just like that's succulent. So someone was like <laughs> you should write a song about the word viscosity. <laughs> okay. And so I was like okay. And then I did, and it turned out to be one of my favorites. Another one I wrote about a dream. I wait, woke wait up. a second, hold on. Mm-hmm. You wrote a song about the word viscosity, and it's titled "Viscosity." Well, sure it is. It's really good. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I'll have to check that one out. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, I, I'm not trying to brag about my own stuff, but that is probably the song I'm most proud of. Uh, yeah, perhaps, perhaps I don't know. It sounds yeah like a high degree of dif- difficulty. <laughs> uh, and then another one I woke up from a dream that North Korea was dropping nukes on our country. <laughs> I was a really morbid dream. But anyways, I wrote, woke up and just like had a song about it. It's called Last Night on Earth. Yeah. So that's another one that just came to me. But like really there's no method to my writing. I just try it any way I can. Once you come up with an idea creatively, the either in, in whatever way, the lyrics or the melody, you have several different options, it sounds like, in terms of the the genre or style, right? Mm-hmm. You said Sumerium is more um, rock, and yeah. then Flat Moon Theory is more Americana, acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you decide, or does that is that just part of the process? Oh, this you just know from the get go, this is going to be a rock and roll song, or this mm-hmm. is going to be uh, a little more of a country sort of. Like, how do you pick the genre? Is some, that part of it? Sometimes I do know from the get-go, but on some songs, I I just kind of bring them to the table, like at a rehearsal. Be like, hey guys, I wrote a song, and I'll play it on acoustic guitar, sing it for both Samarium and Flat Moon Theory, and see which band makes, like, take to it more. Yeah. And so there have been some decided that way, and others that I've kind of known from the start. And recently, I've been trying to get into writing specifically for the band to be like, this is what I want this band to sound like. And this is the type of song we need over here. So that I've been more recently trying to do. But in the past, the um, Dreamers in the Dark, as well as Devil's Jazz, the last Samarium album, I just brought a bunch of songs to the table and was like, take what you like, guys. <laughs> yeah. So. Do you watch many movies about bands? Are you into that? I Or I documentaries? I don't necessarily seek them out. But when I watch them, I do enjoy them. 
I believe the movie is called Almost Famous. Have you seen this movie? I haven't seen that one. Uh, I recommend it to you. Okay, yeah. Almost Famous. Who's who is it about? Or is um, it just a? It's about a young man, uh, I believe your age or younger, who was a writer for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. Got a gig to write an article for Rolling Stone, going on tour with a rock band, and um, yeah, it's. I think you would enjoy it. It's, okay. It's set, I believe, in the uh, mid to late seventies. And in the the movie, it's with a fictitious band called Stillwater, mm-hmm. and they're just the straight up rock band from the seventies. And this young man, again, I think he's sixteen, seventeen years old in the film, travels with them and is exposed to all the dynamics mm-hmm. that a rock band in the seventies gotcha. would entail. Yeah, it yeah. does sound very interesting. One of the classic stereotypes about bands of any sort mm-hmm. is that there's usually some drama between the members at some point. Is that, is that a thing in your um, experience so far? And have, honestly, you, have you experienced any um, sort of band drama? Nothing too bad. And I'm a little worried because in all my bands, I'm like best friends with everybody. Uh-huh. Um, whether I was best friends with them before we started the band or not, like all of us are tight. So I hope no drama breaks us up. But honestly, Davis and I, two name names, <laughs> uh, have been through the most. Um, he was a part of Gasoline. He was the original drummer for Samarium. Then a little drama happened, but it's okay because now he's uh, in Flat Moon Theory playing banjo and in Variation 4 playing keys. So him and I have been through it all together. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope that no drama befalls you in the future in your various bands. Thank you. But I would think it's a matter of time yeah. because you're in four and a half bands and counting. And Something's statistically gotta, speaking, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be drama somewhere sometime. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are your influences musically? What What bands or artists have had the biggest influence on you? Three come to mind right off the bat. The Beatles, of course. From a very early age, I was super into the Beatles. And people used to be like, oh, I hear the Beatles in your music. I don't know if that's, that's true. That's a pretty big compliment. I would, I would love if that's true. It could but, be a um, lot worse, right? Exactly. So definitely them. And then for Flat Moon Theory, very much so the Avett Brothers. Yeah. Everybody in our band loves the Avett Brothers. And they're one of the biggest bands, I'd say, that have a similar blend of instruments with the cello, the banjo, and all that. So Right. And then... For Samarium, the Black Keys are the a modern band that I really love listening to. Love just like the um, raw rock and roll sound. And then guitar playing wise, I of course love Jimi Hendrix. So right, <laughs> yeah, those are pretty good influences. Thank you. <laughs> Is that who you listen to? That that collection when you're not you know working on your own music and you just want to relax? What yeah, are those your choices as well? I I think actually that pretty much sums it up for when I'm just when I'm trying to have a good good time in the car just driving down the road want to listen to my favorite bands yeah it's one of those CDs for sure yeah CDs Ah. yeah I am a CD guy yeah because I do I like listening to albums from cover to cover right so as opposed to just putting shuffle play on something when you have been working on your albums with Samarium and now with this album with Flat Moon Theory is there any sort of storytelling in the lineup of songs i know some albums are constructed Mm -hmm. that way some aren't right where there's a a theme or a progression that the artist intends Mm -hmm. um so far no but i was 
I've been brainstorming about a potential solo album coming up next year. So um, I was thinking about doing that for that. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. But so far, no. Well, you mentioned earlier how much you enjoy storytelling mm-hmm. aspects of both the time when you were working on, on movies and now obviously in, in the music. Mm-hmm. So that's why I asked. I, I could see that as another form of yeah. storytelling is creating an arc through a sequence of mm-hmm. songs as opposed to just within a song. Yeah, very much so. And I love when artists do it. I haven't done it intentionally yet, mm-hmm. but um, on my first solo album, the guy who produced it for me had the idea because he heard a story through the you know order of the songs that I did not necessarily intend. And he suggested I film a movie, use my album as a soundtrack and tell a story that way. But unfortunately, is this with Samarium? No, this this was a solo album. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, back when you were twelve. No, this was um, I think it was sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. Okay. It seems like forever ago, but it was really only a couple years. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> a year or two ago. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But I just didn't have the time to end up making that story. And and one thing that I guess is a good and bad thing is that um, listening to my old music, I'm not a fan of it that much. Typically, because I just, as I progress, I know that I can do things better. Yeah. To stay proud of something is kind of rare for me. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that this next album will be one of the things that I can keep listening to for a long time. So when you're working through music on an album, you know, created a version with the band, do you listen to your own work a lot? Like if you're driving around and you're trying to, or you, man, once I've, I got to put this away, I can't, you know, is it? is it a challenge to listen to yourself after um, you've, you know, kind of been working on something for weeks or months? I hope this isn't narcissistic, but I listen to my own music almost constantly. Like I, I really do Um, in the car, put on my, like just like little voice memos or things that I'm working on to like sing along to it, listening for ways to improve it. Yeah. I don't think that's narcissistic. That's you working on your craft. I mean, I, I, yeah, that sounds normal to me. The last Samarium album I'll listen to. That stuff still jams out for me, but uh, yeah, I do listen to it just to like learn from past mistakes, keep working. I do think it's part of the process, but I do yeah. listen to myself a lot in the car. <laughs> yeah, I I've seen or heard interviews with um, uh, actors, mm-hmm. and many of them will say that they they don't watch the movies they were in. They might see it once at a mm-hmm. premiere or in some screening, and then they just will never watch it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that's a different process. That's much more of a team sport with a lot of it's people true. involved. And, you know, maybe that's just the thing people say in interviews to hide their narcissism <laughs> because they're actually watching their own DVDs constantly. So. I don't know. But yeah, I wondered about that with, with music. I can see, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause to be honest with you, this, this, uh, silly thing I'm working on, you know, doing these podcasts, I have listened to them multiple times after I've released them mm-hmm. for the same reasons you said about the music, just mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways to make it better. And then at times it's admittedly uh, challenging because mm-hmm. I don't like to hear myself. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> the speaking and seeing myself on screen, I don't enjoy as much as hearing my music. So yeah, I, I don't listen to my, I don't like listening to my voice. I don't like seeing my crappy acting. But, um, well, that's not in your goal. You're not getting yeah, the Grammy exactly, for uh, those exactly. things. You want to be a producer. I gave up that dream a while back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever suffer from the musician's equivalent of writer's block? 
Certainly. I have been in a creative flow recently, but up until maybe a month ago, like, it has been rough. I've been trying to write songs and nothing seems to be working. So I definitely go through phases for sure. When that happens, what do you do? Do you just write it out and you take a few weeks off and try to, or do you try to, do you power through it where you, you just keep working at it and something breaks loose? How do you, how do you deal with that? I still try, I feel like, but I don't force anything. Like if I have tried all night to come up with a a single chord progression and I'm just struggling, I'm like, ah, I'm not in my, in the right mindset or something right now. And I'll just wait because I know sometimes it'll just flow a lot easier if I'm working with other people or collaborating then. And that helps too, like just getting new perspectives on old stuff or working with someone else can help like, you know, get the creative juices flowing. But sometimes for sure, I just have to take a step back and put my mind elsewhere. Yeah. Do you find that the creative process for you is driven by your life experiences where you're writing songs based on things you've gone through or a feeling, mm-hmm. or is it more abstract than that? As I've gotten older, I've definitely drawn more from experiences because I have more of them, I guess. But um, yeah, like when I was 12, I was just making crap up. <laughs> right. You'd be writing songs about, I don't know, uh, peanut butter and jelly. And yeah, we uh, had one of the worst ones is called Shout It. Yeah. I just like, let's read a song where the chorus is me telling everyone to shout. I was like, that sounds rock and roll. <laughs> there's but, a couple, you know, there's a couple songs where that's the theme. Oh yeah. I mean, it works for some people, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> there's a very popular song that's played at many, the high school dance that the theme is, is shout. shouting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I feel too bad about that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. More recently, I've definitely drawn from my own feelings and emotions and such. Yeah. And I like it more, but I know some people who are just like, I like when you used to tell these old little stories about nothing. I like those songs, but the ones I write now are definitely more meaningful for me. So yeah. Yeah. Personal connection. Mm -hmm. So in addition to being a singer, songwriter Mm -hmm. and a player of at least how many instruments do you play? I really only consider myself a guitar player. Okay. I used to play violin and I'm not too good at all. <laughs> okay. So yeah, guitar. Um, but you mentioned when we earlier, we talked about your goals and uh, being, you know, winning a Grammy for being a music producer would be mm-hmm. uh, the dream, right? Yeah. So I, I apologize. I'm not exactly sure what a music producer does. What, what is that job? Well, now the pressure's on me for get, to get the definition right. That's but, okay. Uh, what in, do you think it is? In, in my mind, basically, so you have your audio engineer who's, you know, setting up all the microphones, checking the levels, making sure things are coming through the way they're supposed to. And then the producer, while they, while I do enjoy that and while they can do that, I think of them more as seeing the bigger picture and listening to the band, telling them how they can improve, what tweaks need to be made to a particular song what arrangement perhaps oh this section needs strings or the drums need to come up here just the general sound of the album i basically in my mind it's the director equivalent like on a film right or like a coach yeah 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 basically a coach um of a album or an artist or something like that so right are most successful producers also musicians is that like a requirement they also play instruments and and or can sing or have their own 
own performance that they do. I would think so. I think a lot of them probably have those abilities, but just choose to use their musical knowledge in another way. Yeah. Yeah. So it strikes me that all this experience, I mean, all joking aside, being in the four and a half bands plus Mm -hmm. your solo project, plus, 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 Mm -hmm. that that would be good training for being a producer. You're getting exposed to all those genres. I think so. You're having to go through the process a lot. I mean, how many times are you performing or practicing uh, or writing, you know, uh, a week? Are you just every day, multiple mm-hmm. times? You're That's I all wish, you're doing? I wish I was performing more, but when I'm not performing, I'm definitely mixing and writing every day. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's your passion. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. One thing that I just remember that I think is cool is, uh, so I have Dreamers in the Dark coming out that I recorded on, that's coming out this year. I have um, another thing I recorded guitar for, a project by McCall and Katarine, some other artists. They, they actually live in Nashville now, but they recorded their album down here, and I recorded on that. And, um, and So then, you, were like, you were like a guest mm-hmm. performer as a vocalist or guitarist or both? All guitar on that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing that that's, has been released this year is it's called, like the band is Midnight Caravan. I mentioned already my dad's band. And um, A Long Ride Home is the title of the EP, I guess. Yeah. And so I played bass on that, but also produced that um, EP. And that was the first time that I was like serving more as a producer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps producing something that I didn't write. Yeah. <laughs> so even though it was my dad's band, it was my first experience doing that. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. So. You mentioned earlier that when you're writing your songs, that they're from personal experience mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. That's your biggest yeah. uh, inspiration. So that makes the songs, by definition, very personal. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's all the um, the investment of time and care and thought and rehearsal and honing. So you work on this song and you work on it and it's, again, very personal to you. Mm-hmm. And then you get it and you perform it live. Yeah. How does that feel? Because you're putting something out there for others to... You know, the audience is going to respond how they do. They're going to love it or they're going to be sort of um, non-responsive. I imagine that's a possibility. I'm not saying it's ever happened to you. No, no, it happens. (laughs) But yeah, so that would feel like a very um, vulnerable moment. Yeah. Putting something out like that and for people to respond to however they will. To me, by the time it's recorded and put out like digitally released, it's not as vulnerable because I, I've heard the song a million times. I performed it a bunch of times by that point and it's not as big of a deal, but performing it for the first couple of times live, it definitely holds some weight. And especially if it's a song I'm really passionate about, that's um, like, I'm just really hoping people will appreciate what I've created. And a lot of times just at the places I'm playing, you know, if I'm background music or something like that, people won't quite pick up on it how I wish they would but what makes all the difference to me is there are a few people who they'll just reach out and tell me how much a song is meant to them or like say how much they appreciate it or just little details they'd be like I love this line this really spoke to me these few words and just like little stuff like that is honestly it makes me want to keep doing what I'm doing it is really stuff like that so yeah that yeah that's got to be so so motivating, mm-hmm. right? You touch somebody through, through it's art, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're talking about yeah. is you're making art. Mm-hmm. And if you're reaching other people through it and inspiring them, that's awesome. Yeah. So Flat Moon Theories, 
album is coming out shortly. Probably will be mm-hmm. out. Hopefully, by the out time by the time this, this is get, yeah, yeah, yeah. That this is out. This conversation is uh, published. How how will people be able to get to the album Dreamers in the Dark? Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all those. It should be out on all of them. Yeah, as well as YouTube. The service we're using puts it just audio, you right. know, clips on YouTube. Right. And Flat Moon Theory is the name of the band. Dreamers in the Dark. Hopefully, it'll it'll come up when you search it. And yeah, there's only going to be seven songs. You know, but all that, original. Yeah, all... not that long of a listen. You should listen to them all. You know, <laughs> check I definitely them all. will. <laughs> After this, we'll have to talk a little bit about maybe having a one of your four and a half bands record some music for the podcast. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd love some uh, to change up the intro music. Okay. I got you. Bit. I got you. <laughs> Maybe we can work out a deal. <laughs> uh, what do you enjoy doing that's not music? This is a little embarrassing coming from a small man of five, seven-ish. <laughs> um, but I like to play basketball. And um, originally there was a third part of that little goal i had okay of winning an nba championship but <laughs> man i i think I, that'd be a first yeah. grammy winner oscar winner exactly nba champion i thought i could be the first one to do it and then i stopped growing and i was like uh-oh <laughs> um so i i hung up that jersey and that dream a while back but, but you still enjoy playing yeah i basketball. still love, love playing and I, I didn't play for a while because I was so focused on music. And then recently I started playing again. I was like, hey, this is pretty fun. Yeah. So, and a very different kind of outlet, right? Exactly. Like you're yeah. not, you can be a different person. I really am a different person. It's it's kind of weird, but... um, I get that. It is a very different outlet. Far more competitive than anything else I do. But it's nice to have something different that I can just do for fun with my friends. Yeah. And actually, that's another thing, too. Like, most of my bandmates also enjoy playing basketball. No kidding. So we'll get together jam some songs we used to just go out in the driveway shoot hoops after that or something so maybe when we're touring on the road we'll yep yeah to pass the time we'll stop at some courts who knows well if you ever need a uh, middle-aged slow um (laughs) semi-coordinated member of your basketball squad i'm your guy okay all right we're always picking up new members yeah well (laughs) i would be uh I could stand around on the court anyway and get in the way. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's been a fantastic conversation, man. I Thank really you. appreciate uh, getting to know you a little better and learning about what you're working on. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to listen to the music. I think I've heard a few of the songs just okay, cool. here and there from yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. from you guys. when you, you them, yeah. yeah, when I've heard you perform them live. So it's really exciting. And I... I have every confidence that you're going to achieve your goals. Thank you. Maybe not the NBA champion oh, one. No, I'm just okay. being honest with you. Sorry. I got to. Yeah. Oh, I'm being honest on that one, too. That's not happening. <laughs> but I don't see why you couldn't be walking across the stage Thank in the you. future. Well, Christian, thanks for coming. Thanks Thank for so speaking much. with me today. And yeah, let's 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 stay in touch. I want to hear how for things sure. go. It's meant a lot. It means a lot what you say, and it's meant a lot to be here. I've had a great time. So thank you so much. Awesome. And good luck with uptake. I'll be keeping an ear out. <laughs> Awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Christian for being here today. And thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music in today's podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can email us at theuptakepodcast at gmail.com or reach us through Twitter at uptakepodcast. Stay tuned for a few bonus clips from my conversation with Christian. And as a special added bonus, we've included the track Autumn Skies from the album Dreamers in the Dark by Flat Moon Theory. 
Thanks for listening. Hello, hello. Hey, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Was your Thursday off the charts? (laughs) It was off the charts. It was not on any charts Uh, (laughs) of any kind. In the best possible way, hopefully. Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) We can build Legos after this if you want. I mean, there's all kinds of Lego (laughs) shenanigans. I did see that Death Star and got excited. It's pretty sweet, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't see that every day. That's nice. No, well, I mean, I, I see it every day because uh, I come we, in here. Yeah, you, I forgot. <laughs> Most <laughs> people are not privileged enough to see such a magnificent Lego specimen. <laughs> Lego specimen. Band name. Yeah. Would have been nice if we recorded this in the morning so I could have some low resonance in my voice. <laughs> Is that how that works? For it, me, it seems like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, <laughs> like I have this low gravel right and then throughout the day I just slowly become squeakier <laughs> but most of your most of your gigs are at night right yeah true so that's not good well is for singing it's okay because my rain like my voice is warmed up I can sing higher easier yeah but in the morning I just talk sexier <laughs> <laughs> that's all what's the worst song you've ever written hmm. oh actually easy, easy you gotta one. pick your least favorite child well, okay. Can it be like so bad that I now just enjoy? It. It's like a parody of my own. Sure, writing. it's up to you. You're... It is. It's the most memorable too. Okay. Um, it's one Davis and I wrote with gasoline. I, it was the first song I wrote, actually. Okay. Um, it's called Thomas Franklin. Okay. And it is literally about a man <laughs> who could do it all. It was like uh, he can sled with only a ski. He can uh, play a banjo with only his knee. Um, Are these the actual lyrics? Yeah, you're yeah, out? yeah. Okay. He drinks. Frozen cups, wait, boiling cups of frozen hot tea or something like that. Nice. Like, this man was just the best. He could, uh, something with a fork and play cards with a stork. Like, we were just rhyming it out. This and, sounds like a, like, like a Dr. Seuss Yeah, <laughs> it really story. was. It was like the, your most basic blues progression mixed with a Dr. Seuss poem. And <laughs> two of our, like, president, oh, two of our, you know, founding fathers mashed together to form the name. Oops, I bumped the mic. That's Thomas okay. Franklin. It's you know? a Sanderson mic. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Excellent. You picked it up at, uh, was it the real store? Uh, Dan's Dave, real store. Dave's real store. Yeah. Yeah. It's Dan's. Ah. Let's get it straight. Dan's real store. Yeah. My bad. It's okay. But also, can I run to the restroom again? Of Is course. this still recording? <laughs> I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. <laughs>
Gone. 